Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today we feature Mumbi and Stella, based in Nairobi, Kenya. Mumbi is a mechatronics engineer with over six years experience working in technology startups in the development sector across Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania, Ghana, South Africa, and Uganda. She is currently the country growth manager at Tala, a fintech company that has dispersed over $2.3 billion in credit to more than 6 million customers across East Africa, the Philippines, Mexico, and India. She also serves as an advisor and angel investor to early stage startups in Africa. Mumbi and I spoke about a wide range of topics, including the leadership lessons she learned from organizing a TEDx conference earlier in her career, the differences between growth roles at the various companies she's worked for, creating collective ownership by setting strategy through OKRs, and leveraging her internal ex- expertise through guilds at her current company, Tala. She also shares her views around the enormous opportunities and challenges in training and placing the next generation of African tech talent. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Mumbi. Welcome to the Everyday Leader podcast. Really excited to have you here today and to uh, unpack all of the leadership lessons that you've had uh, over the years at all of the interesting companies that you have played a role in. So welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. Excited for the conversation. So I want to kick things off with hearing from you around a leadership origin story that you've had, maybe an experience you had earlier in your career that helped shape the leader that you've become today. Yep. Um, that's an interesting one. So the story I'm going to share is is not your, your most conventional type of role. But, um, you know, when I was much younger, I think, you know, let's say 22, 23 actually, um, you know, lead a team that was bringing uh, TEDx, the brand, um, to Kenya. Uh, so we were initially thinking about, you know, how could we launch, uh, you know, a TEDx event? And at the time, we called it TEDx Youth at Parklands. And, you know, at that time, I created, um, I set up a team of, you know, about six leads and, uh, you know, 20 plus volunteers to, to bring the event to life. And, you know, the, the story at the time was, let's highlight the biggest change, young change makers in Kenya. And, uh, you know, we, we really got, uh, you know, the who's who uh, in Nairobi at the time to, 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 to uh, you know, give the, their fast static stocks. And, you know, what, what was very, very interesting for me in that experience is uh, it, it formed the uh, type of leadership uh, today. And you know, I would put it as uh, maybe two or three key things. So one was how do I think about uh, leveraging expertise uh, in, in a team? So it wasn't about me knowing everything, but being able to source for the, you know, the smartest people I could find, um, you know, in, at that time being you know, people who could you know, produce, people who were great coaches and speakers. And we ended up getting, you know, um, even up, up to the level of one of the top ranking people at AFDB to be a coach for the speakers. Um, the, the second thing I learned was around uh, empathy uh, and it was leading with empathy. Uh, and in, this one this one is something that I, I have seen a lot of leaders talk about um, in the last maybe five years. And the, the thinking here is, as you, um, you know, working with your team how are you uh, thinking about the different uh, impacts to their days that are affecting how they show up, how they're working? Uh, you know, if someone is is on ramping onto a role, how are you supporting them in that sense? And lastly, uh, is something I call autonomy with support. 
allowing for, for the team to hit the ground running and running with it and uh, trusting that they will be able to execute, but being on hand to offer any support and, and, and just blockers to do the work they're doing. So that, uh, you know, those things form sort of the basis of my leadership pieces that I, I carry on till today. That's such a great example. Uh, I imagine having a an event like a conference or a speaking um, uh, engagement like a TEDx event is such a um, powerful leadership experience to have had, uh, given that there's you know, lots of different stakeholders involved, but also a very clear um, definition of success and clear deliverables that everyone can rally around. So um, great that you were able to step into that role and gain those um, early learnings as a leader. Let's fast forward now to uh, where you're at now. Uh, I know you're the country growth manager at Tala. Can you tell us about Tala as a company and uh, what the growth role entails? Great. Uh, so Tala is a company. Uh, Tala is was founded on the mission of uh, democratizing access to credit uh, for the global lender bank. And right now, our vision is we want to become the largest financial provider for the global lender bank. So being able to move even beyond credit. Uh, so for maybe listeners who might not be aware of what Tala does, so Tala uh, offers uh, short-term loans. Uh, on your mobile phone using uh, the, the data on your phone to actually underwrite. Um, this is revolutionary because a lot of people had been left out of the formal financial economy and being able to figure out how to determine credit risk based just off of the data on your phone and offering you credit uh, within five minutes was revolutionary. And, and Tala was the market pioneer for this back in 2014. To date, uh, we've served 6 million plus um, you know, customers across four markets, being Kenya as a pioneer market, then uh, Mexico, the Philippines, and, and India, which is our newest market. And that is with, you know, over $2.3 billion in loans disbursed. And a lot of that has actually happened in Kenya. We've served, you know, 3 million plus users and over a billion dollars in loans disbursed. So coming down to my role specifically uh, as a country growth manager, what that means is that I lead uh, in-country uh, marketing uh, partnerships and, and just go-to-market uh, strategies for new products. So these are new products in, in credit and, and also beyond. Uh, it, it has been a bit of an interesting role uh, since it, it, it means that I manage um, a, a growth team that's Kenya-based. However, having to work with uh, direct uh, global collaborators across several markets. Uh, which has been, you know, one of the more interesting uh, experiences of my career so far. So the role of, of growth, I imagine, um, is not just marketing. It includes a whole host of different initiatives and functions across the team uh, and leveraging the team members and the partners that you have to uh, grow the the top line. Can you talk to, to us a little bit about um, the various elements that go into of the growth role at Tala and how that maybe has compared with your past growth roles? Yes. Um, first, first thing I'll say is I, I've held maybe two growth roles in my career and also been a growth consultant for a couple of uh, companies in fintech and edtech. And none of those roles have ever looked the same, which is the more interesting part of growth. I think of growth as 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's about how to move the company to the next stage and is highly dependent on which stage the company currently is and the biggest need for the company at that time. Uh, so when I started out in my career, uh, my, my growth uh, role was mostly focused on Kenya as a market at the time at Moringa School. And we were working to, uh, you know, figure out how to optimize uh, the market and, and move into new opportunities. Then that quickly evolved into expansion. And I was more focused on geographical growth in that sense. And that is what I spent um, back of maybe a year and a half doing across different markets in, in Africa, such as South Africa, Ghana, Nigeria. Uh, looking at my role today, um, it has been more focused on Kenya as a market, taking that Tala has reached you know, quite a good number. It's three million, but we still have a population of 24 million Kenyans. Uh, so thinking about how do we uh, extend growth beyond uh, our current products, beyond the current segments that we are working with and 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 just go beyond that. So as you said, Chris, you're completely right. This is, of course, marketing is a big piece of it in, in terms of thinking about go-to-market strategies and how to most effectively um, communicate with our consumers. But uh, the other bit of it is uh, how is the product uh, built out? Is it catering for the needs in the market? How are, you know, how are uh, how's our pricing set up is it set up in a way that is, is, is effective for what consumers need today? So this means that my role ends up having to uh, you know, pull a lot of uh, stakeholders in uh, to ensure we're, uh, you know, we're making one conclusive product and then um, one conclusive product that reflects what consumers actually want. Uh, since you have to be customer fast in, in, in your way of innovation and then um, figuring out then as a next step, so how do we present this to uh, our customers in a way that will uh, will resonate with them. So that, that is how I would describe my role right now. So it definitely sounds like your role uh, involves a lot of uh, engagement with people on your team. Uh, this show, the Everyday Leader podcast, is all about having emerging leaders at high growth companies reflect on uh, the experiences they've had leading teams in growing uh, you know, companies across the continent. So in that light, uh, what has been some of the learnings you've had um, kind of engaging with your teams to enact some of these strategies? Because I imagine um, you know, the, the strategies that you might develop are only as good as um, the to the extent that you can implement them through the teams. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is there needs even in strategy. I think strategies are not built in silos. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I learned earlier on in my career. Uh, so you know, in a team where we need to have a lot of stakeholder engagement and. Uh, impact does not seat in one specific team or guild, as we call it, Atala. Thinking about how do we uh, bring all stakeholders together uh, to align on, on the goals and uh, the spe specific key results we'll be looking to achieve and then uh, the specific initiatives that we believe will actually get us to these key results. It is a bit of a tedious process um, in, in, in its uh, initial stages. However, it saves a lot of time moving forward. Um, I, I think, and also as we think, as you're thinking about, uh, you know, which stakeholders to actually bring in, uh, a question becomes, uh, you know, who who, is, who do we prioritize as the key stakeholders to still ensure that the 
the, the process is, is highly effective. And, and that's that's one key learning process that I'm still uh, going through uh, as a leader in that sense. But I do still uh, believe that being able to define whether it's your KPIs or your OKRs and, and whatever framework you're using becomes very key uh, it, as an initial step to get everyone aligned and focused on the same goal. And afterwards makes it very easy to move into execution. I think a second thing that has been uh, very key here is ownership. And ownership is less about uh, whole responsibility falling on an individual to deliver, but more around uh, whole responsibility falling on an individual to make sure we get to the finish line. So whether that means when we are seeing a gap, this individual is bringing all the key stakeholders together to figure out what a solution might be. So that means at any point where there is um, uh, any type of gap uh, or any type of risk in, in, in actually getting to a key result, this individual is actually able to um, you know, bring all the stakeholders together to think through a solution, right? Because in a company, for example, like Tala, a lot of what needs to get done to get us to success is not dependent on one uh, guild or one individual, but needs a lot of cross-functional collaboration to actually deliver. Uh, but this having this uh, sort of ownership set ensures that there is one individual who is very focused on uh, bringing all the stakeholders together and and strategizing to get us to a solution, and and just ensure we ensuring we're actually getting to the finish line. So that that's how I would define it. It's more just to recap. It's more around um, you know aligning on on the goals, key results, and initiatives as a group. Um, however tedious the process might be. And then secondary to that, just making sure there is very clear ownership and defining what uh, ownership actually really means. That's so true. And and OKRs, in my experience, have been a great way to uh, kind of build consensus uh, and rally around uh, how uh, the various initiatives that we're doing in our work uh, come together to achieve uh, common goals and kind of uh, provide clarity around uh, strategy and how it affects our day-to-day work. And I'm also curious how uh, you have navigated this type of growth role in terms of your own leadership style. In in reflection, I I don't think my leadership role has evolved that much. I think from the past example I gave around, uh, you know, the TEDx event and, and such. However, I think I just have become more crystal clear around the three key things, um, you know, in hindsight, the three key things that are most important to just ensure success. And one thing that you have mentioned, Chris, that is very true is there's a lot of leverage that I have to do with more, um, you know, specialized functions within the company. And as as I mentioned, that one of the biggest um, landings in my career has been just the ability to leverage expertise. Uh, big companies and, and high growth companies such as Tala, where we have 500 plus employees across different markets, have uh, you know very specialized functions and and experts who are sitting within the company, and your ability as a leader to uh, get uh, you know all these specialized uh, functions and and experts focused on a single goal, uh, with a clear understanding of how their work feeds into that goal. Um, has been, um, you know, one one of the most uh, interesting experiences of my career. 
so I would say, uh, you know, it, it's, it has been more around depth uh, in terms of the, my, my leadership philosophy in that sense. And, and just, I think with each time I've had to execute and with each time I have had to think about, for example, you know, an annual plan for the company and, and, and for Kenya as a market, to think about how we grow, then it has become very, very apparent what I need to focus on um, just around those three, um, I'd call them three buckets of, uh, of my leadership thesis. At this stage, would you say you've honed in on a particular superpower that you hold as a leader? One of the things that I was told by one of my former managers, I think, when I was working at Moringa School, who was uh, the CEO of the company at the time, uh, she called me a strategic hustler, and I, I never understood what that mean, meant at the time. But it, it's the ability to piece uh, different occurrences or happenings and company strategies and macro factors together to develop uh, uh, a holistic strategy and, and be able to execute in them. Uh, so, you know, that has been one of the, um, you know, key gifts that I, I realized I had um, in the sense that I'm able to, um, you know, sit with a team, listen, understand what their focus is, sit with another team, listen, understand what the challenge is, and be able to put all this together into a strategy that everyone feels um, very aligned to and that everyone feels very uh, bought into, uh, which has been very powerful in that, in that sense. Um, another one, and I'm not sure I'd call this really a superpower, is um, it, just being a fast learner and then learning and knowing how to leverage different resources, including uh, you know, individual networks and, and also just reading and, and watching a lot of videos to always consistently upskill myself. Um, I'm, you know, being in the, in the, in the startup sector and, and especially fintech, uh, the rules are changing every day. The technology is changing every day. The direction and the needs of the customers are evolving very fast. Um, and your ability as a leader is uh, being able to stay ahead of the curve in that sense. Uh, understand where the market is moving into, so that that is one of the other things that I'm, you know, I've, I've been really, really focused on, just ensuring that I'm I'm learning as fast as uh, that the market is changing and the consumer is changing. The topic of, of learning uh, is is very important. I was actually going to bring it up, and I'm glad you you've already raised it. Um, to what extent, uh, I know Tala works across a number of different markets, uh, if I understand correctly. How do you learn from your peers in similar roles in other markets? Yes, that, that's actually been one of the like, strongest levers that I've had. And it, it takes a lot of intentionality. Um, I think one of the things that happened is there were no full or clear systems that are set up within the company to enable cross-market um, uh, learnings in, in that sense. That meant I had to become a lot more proactive in understanding what the experiences have been. So this means, you know, every quarter I'll, uh, you know, setting one-on-ones with, uh, you know, country growth managers or product managers sitting in those markets, people who are doing similar work to what I'm doing and understanding what's working for them, what's not working. And that's been very, very powerful for the work that I'm doing. Um, you know, in, in even as we're doing, you know, annual planning or 
roadmap planning or thinking about partner onboarding, uh, you know, just tapping into the experiences in those markets has been, uh, you know, I don't even <laughs> know how to explain it. it, has been very, very powerful for me in that sense. Um, and, and, and also being able to offer the same for some of the learnings that I've had uh, in Kenya has done the same for, for the, uh, the other growth leads to the point that where you know we have been thinking about how do we uh, make uh, you know this sort of part of the company policy in the sense that um, we you know growth leads are required to meet every X number of months uh, it could be quarterly or or, or, or biannually uh, to just uh, you know discuss what uh, is going on and then be able to um, you know share learnings and 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 share resources in that sense. Uh, yeah, so I, I completely agree with you there. How does that factor into what you described as as guilds uh, at Tala? I, I've heard of that um, terminology before where uh, it, it intentionally brings together people of similar either skills or focus areas across uh, a wider team so that you're not just stuck in departments. For example, you might have a graphic designer um, embedded within uh, or graphic designers embedded with across five different teams. Uh, but at the end of the day, all of those graphic designers, whether they're um, at a senior or junior level, are part of a guild where they exchange uh, best practices. Is that how guilds are used at Tala? Or is there some other wider structure uh, that helps guide the team formation and collaboration? Yes. Yes, Chris. That, that's exactly how guilds are set up. Um, so it's more of, you know, if it's a uh, marketing, then within marketing sits different functions, right? So it sits functions such as the performance marketing team that, uh, is a guild focused on just user acquisition and, and expertise there. Then uh, product marketing that is really focused on, on, you know, the customer funnel in that sense. And then brand and PR that is focused on, uh, just more of our own channels and then brand positioning and awareness. And then, you know, moving into other guilds, it could be product team that is more focused on bringing products to market, the finance guild and, and so on. Uh, so it is, it is very specialized in that sense. But one thing I'll point out is that, you know, there are several roles that sit within the company that have a lot more visibility cross, uh, what I'd call it like more cross guild visibility. And I, you know, I have been lucky in that sense uh, for my role, where I, I do, where I, you know, I end up sitting in in a number of you know product meetings, uh, legal meetings, etc. Uh, that give me a really good um, aerial view of what's happening across the company and what the company priorities are uh, across the board, uh, which is very helpful, uh, you know, from for from a growth standpoint, right? Because with growth, it's more of uh, growth does not sit in silos, and it needs to be uh, all inclusive of everything that's happening within the company, and everything that has uh, any potential impact on, uh, you know, originations or revenue in that sense, and, and just general growth. Uh, therefore, it, having that aerial view is very key for you know a specific subset of people within the company. Amazing. Um, and and do you uh, currently manage a team? Yes. Um, so uh, one thing I'd, I'll point out before I talk about the team is, uh, you know, it, I have held, uh, you know, role, growth roles where I was a single team member. And that was very, also very interesting, right? And that tends to mostly be the case for 
growth leads who are potentially more focused on geographical expansion. And in a space where, you know, this is uh, an initial step to starting to set up new markets. And at that point, you're probably supported by the, the CEO or the CEO or founder in that sense. However, it's a lone man team uh, going into new markets and then trying to identify opportunity and, and build uh, relationships. So that, 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 that is one uh, version of the growth world that I've held. I have it to back to today, um, I lead a growth team of about uh, five people uh, based in Kenya. Uh, so these are five people across uh, you know, brand, uh, product, marketing, uh, PR, uh, digital media, ETC to just get us towards, uh, you know, our goal of, you know, setting up a, a, a very clear go-to-market strategy for any new products coming into the market. And then, as I mentioned earlier, then this is uh, complemented by, uh, you know, 20 plus uh, direct collaborators um, seating in different markets. So uh, this could be, you know, uh, you know, feeding into now the more specialized guilds, uh, such as product, um, the global product marketing team and the global marketing team in that sense, and and also the global credit team to just be able to deliver products in market. Yeah, that paints a pretty clear picture of what you and your team does. And uh, you're right that um, both in individual contributor role and a, a team manager role, both can definitely be um, rewarding and impactful. In, in this team manager role that you hold now, what would you say is one of the the uh, hardest parts of uh, overseeing a team, especially um, in in this kind of era of remote work and um, with the constant changes that are happening in the market. Yes, um, you know, first I'll I'll just speak about uh, just remote work in general, then talk about um, sort of the, your second bit of the question around the hardest thing around managing people. So, looking more specifically at remote work, what has been interesting is. You know, at the point where I joined Tala, we were remote fast. Uh, therefore, I was interviewed and hired before ever meeting any individual, uh, which is very interesting, right? I think that was the first time I'd had um, that type of experience uh, in my career. Uh, and what has been even more interesting is I, I, over the last you know couple of months, I I worked to uh, you know build uh, you know expertise and managerial expertise in my team and hired two new uh, team members uh, who, who you know, have 10 plus years experience in, in the market without ever meeting any of them and then without meeting any of the team. Uh, why I'm highlighting this is it has been a very interesting switch in, in just in terms of how companies operate in general, where, you know, you meet uh, a team member and they, you know, the first thing they're saying is, oh, glad to meet you, uh, yet you have been working together for two months plus. It, it, it's a it's, it's quite an interesting phenomenon altogether and just seeing that you know that has not wholly affected uh, productivity and you know we have still been able to come together align on goals execute and and deliver in, in that sense uh, without having met in person um, and you know I think for Tala that that has been um, almost the norm taking that the company is headquartered in Santa Monica. So a lot of, uh, you know, the team members don't even sit in the country in, in that sense. Um, but I think that has been a very interesting learning for me as a person. Then moving to the hardest part of uh, managing teams, um, 
I think one thing that I as a leader I'm still um, learning to work around is just what I'd call like team resignations. Uh, you know, when I, I, a team member, uh, you know, is, is transitioning to another role, uh, you know, what I'll say is, you know, it, it does not get easier. Um, and it, it does raise questions to yourself around, you know, your ability as a manager, the, the opportunities that you're offering and the incentives that you're offering to your team and the support that is being offered. And in most cases, it, it's probably even nothing to do with that. Um, since you know there there are a lot of other external and macro factors, but all I'll say is you know it, it has you know since my first ever leadership experience till now, you know it does not get easier um, at all in that sense. Yes, it's definitely not easy uh, to have team members uh, step away, whether that's uh, to another team within the company or leaving the company altogether. Of course, there's always been you know a healthy. Um, turnover um, that that kind of drives um, you know uh, progress on teams. You know, some people you mistakenly hire, or that ends up just not being a good fit. But when you lose someone who is a great fit and who's a great performer, that can be uh, challenging. And as a manager, like you said, there's only certain things that you can really uh, keep within your control. Uh, would you be able to share some of the things that you've uh, intentionally try to to do to make sure that your team is um, thriving. Yes, um, and and just to you know plus one on that, Chris. You know, I and one other thing I have also had to learn is, you know, as a manager, one of the re key relationships I've worked to build is also sort of a mentor relationship with the team. And at times, you you know, if a team member lets you know that you know they've got an, a, a, you know, sort of the role of their dreams, right? And you understand that even what you're offering, kind of, you know, is not a match to that. And if you take yourself away as uh, Mombi, not Mombi, the employer versus Mombi, the mentor, then Mombi, the mentor, sees that that's potentially an an even better growth level for their career at that point. Um, so you know that has been an interesting, um, you know, sort of, um, you know. Uh, situation that I've, I've had to um, work with recently and, and has been a big learning opportunity for me. Um, just sort of to your question around how just setting systems up for, for the team, um, you know, I, I see myself as um, a support and, and a mentor in that sense. And beyond uh, making it very clear what, how your role is contributing to the company-wide goals and how your role is, is as, and, and the specific initiatives you need to be focused on to just make sure you're more you're more focused and directed in that sense. The other bit of it is just thinking about your um, understanding you as an individual and your career aspirations and, and where you're looking to grow into and um, you know being able to be a champion for you in that way. Uh, one of the things um, that, that I love uh, I was doing the reforge program and you know they were talking about, uh, some of the key levels and around growth, um, career growth, and I think just Bangla who has talked about it. And you know, it, as a manager, it's very important to uh, be a champion for your team. And being a champion, you know, is not just about you know saying kudos, you're doing well, but just really understanding where they're looking to go, what is what is their learning path, being able to support the development of their learning path, and. Um, you know, exposing them to opportunities that uh, expand their way of thinking, that expand um, their skills in general, 
Um, and you know, that, that in being able to see them grow in that sense, uh, that for me becomes a role that I take very seriously. Uh, that you know, it's not prescribing your your JD as a manager, but it is one of the things that was very important for me and and for my for me and my career when I was younger. That my managers at the time did for me that I always want to be able to do for my team. That sounds like a, a great approach, and you're right that uh, you you kind of have to wear two hats: one as a, a supervisor, where you're wanting to make sure that your team is is performing at its uh, optimal. Uh, in the moment, but then also uh, making sure that you're playing that kind of long-term mentorship role for your team members to understand what are their dream roles, what are they aiming for in the next few years, and uh, kind of being um, providing those opportunities because uh, you have probably more visibility into upcoming projects, upcoming roles, uh, so that you can uh, help them on that journey. And if they feel that you're you know there to help them, no matter whether it's within your team or, or otherwise, then that kind of opens up uh, trust that uh, creates a conducive environment. So glad to to hear that you are kind of practicing that uh, within your growth team. Um, just as we start to close uh, out the conversation, you have worked now for a number of different uh, innovative companies in the fintech and edtech space, and you also served as a venture scout for Microtraction, a Nigeria-based uh, venture capital firm. Um, so you must be, you know, uh, very good at uh, observing and uh, anticipating trends uh, in the technology sectors and, and otherwise. And as a uh, emerging leader, uh, you also, you know, must uh, be in a position to identify uh, what's coming next, so that you can kind of uh, position yourself to contribute. So. With that in mind, are there trends that you have picked up on that you would like to share with us today? Yes. Um, let me think about that one. You know, I, I think one of the one of the things that wasn't very interesting for me in my career is coming from you know an engineering background in school, then transitioning to sort of the business side of things. Um, however, now. Coming, coming back to the roles I've held, seeing how deep um, the need for engineering has grown in the market. And, um, you know, I think one of the, and, you know, I might be biased based on, on my previous role at Moringa, but, you know, the role and the importance of, uh, you know, of, of coding bit camps in producing the next generation of technical talent, you know, that that is something that, I have seen being, uh, you know, most sort of unappreciated in the market, but uh, one of the most important things um, that that is currently happening in the space, and you know, you start to see the you know the power of companies such as Endeavor that came into the market and and really grew sort of the next level of engineering talent, and companies such as Moringa, where you know if you walk into a lot of the startups today in Nairobi you will probably find a Moringa graduate as part of the engineering team. And right now, you know, a lot of companies are facing a challenge around just being able to hire for, uh, you know, this type of skill set. That is, you know, how products will actually get built and then taken to market. And this is a challenge that is uh, across, uh, you know, across the globe, really, uh, where the, the the hunt for talent has 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 really become very, very, 
um, tough and, and, you know, very, very tough for companies and companies actually struggling to stay competitive in that sense. Uh, so, you know, just a summary here would be, I think, you know, just being able to understand the role that, uh, you know, more specialized education um, plays, especially in the engineering sector and, and, and just around software engineering, whether it's data science and, you know, all these other key skills that are, are needed. And being able to, um, you know, being able to, as employers, being able to be at the forefront of supporting and taking in this talent and and really upskilling them in that sense, to be able to close uh, the gaps that are currently in the market, uh, since a lot of companies are finding themselves sort of in the on the short end of the stick in that sense. So, so that would be the first thing that that comes comes to my mind there. So uh, you've been on both sides of this, you know new tech talent um, uh, sector where you have worked with Moringa School, where you were nurturing talent and creating new uh, developer uh, talent. Uh, and you've also now worked for Tala, which I imagine uh, is on the on the demand side and maybe hiring uh, new tech talent in order to drive its business forward to some extent. Um, is there a gap um, still there from when graduates come out of institutions like Moringa School where they are considered junior uh, technical talent uh, versus the actual needs of companies that maybe uh, would prefer more senior talent that have had um, experience in, in actually building products and maintaining products, or is it a fairly seamless transition? You're right on the Mac. It's definitely not a seamless transition, and you know this has been one of the problems I've watched for five or so years now, where um, you know the talent that is coming out of boot camps just falls slightly short of what companies actually need. Um, and 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 you know a lot of companies right now are looking for mid-level to uh, you know senior engineers to so think of it as you know has at least two to three years experience, right? However, something, someone coming out of the boot camp is, is quite fresh in, in, in that sense. So that introduces just a, you know, a, a very unique challenge in the market. And um, you know, the, the, one of the discussions that I've had both on the employer side and, and also in the, on the uh, boot camp side is then where, who's, where does that responsibility fall, right? Is it more that the boot camp uh, you know, creates some type of work incubator and uh, you know the 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 trainees or the the new graduates with additional skills, or is this something that exists within a company? And uh, you know the company is setting up some type of uh, you know quick upskilling environment where senior engineers are working with this new graduates and upskilling them very quickly. What I'll say here is I've seen both, and uh, more more so in in more. Um, you know, um, developed markets such as engineering developed market markets such as South Africa, where you know some a good number of uh, what I'd call them dev shops, you know, have uh, an internal uh, you know system where they quickly take in this graduates and upskill them, and it has worked wonders in that sense. And I've also seen a couple of boot camps that have actually taken that model, and I think in Kenya until we're able to fully understand and, and take that opportunity to close that gap, whether that responsibility falls on employers uh, or falls on the bootcamps, for which it shouldn't be an either or, it should be 
uh, both coming together, then we, we will continue to see these challenges across the board. Thank you so much, Moombi, for sharing your insights um, from uh, your career so far and your leadership lessons, uh, having worked at a number of, of really interesting companies. Uh, I appreciate you kind of opening up about um, the uh, superpowers you, you've uh, come to recognize in yourself and also the challenges that you've faced in, in managing uh, the team and, and the growth initiatives at Tala. So thank you again for your time. And I look forward to continuing to follow you on your leadership journey. Thank you so much, Chris.